He's lightning fast with a gun, and he never misses what he shoots at. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. So I'm very excited on this episode of Here's What We Know, because I'm going to I'm going to admit to something, you guys. I am a complete voiceover freak. I love audiobooks and I love well done voiceovers. So let me let me let me let me let me play you something from my guest here. 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 How about this? Touch the brake with his right and slowly shifted his tan 1975 Toyota FJ40 down into second. So the engine would hold him back as he... That's my jam right there. That's my jam. How about this? You think that sounds good? How about this? As Abraham Lincoln strolled fashionably late into Ford's theater the night of April 14, 1865, none of the theater goers knew the president would be assassinated moments later. Except, of course for John Wilkes Booth and his co-conspirators. Ooh, isn't that good? That is the work of one Roy Worley. How, how are you, man? Well, I'm much better now that I hear you, dude. Hey, listen, I'm going to have to talk to you every day just to get an encouragement boost. Listen oh, to you. Listen, I, I I love audiobooks. And and here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing about voice narrators and people who do voiceover work. It's one of those kind of deals that everybody thinks they could do it. As someone who has made a living with my voice for going on 40-something years now, let me tell you, you can't. I can't do what Roy does. I can't, and I'm not being false modest. I, I, I'm not. There is a, there is a different demarcation over people who are voiceover actors, who are talent in that way, than there is in the goofy little stuff that I do right here and now. And it's, it's so cool. That's why I'm geeking out so much, Roy. Hey, hey, all right. All right. Yeah, I appreciate the, the fandom. No, not at all. So let me, let me, I, I love finding out how people got to where they are. All right. Yeah. So you started off in Memphis. Is that it? Well, that's where I was born and raised, but uh, we're outside of Chicago now. I've been here for about 25 years. How long ago and did you get was, rid of the accent? Uh, you know, I've been working on that just so that I can uh, book, you know, uh, non-regional work. But, hey, dude, I can pull that, that Memphis accent right out of my back pocket anytime I want to. So you, so you, you, you were raised in Memphis. You were raised. I was, in, yeah. You were raised in the church. How did you get? How did you get the voiceover? Did you do radio? Did you do TV? What? How did you get there? Well, it's it's kind of I, I came to it by a very circuitous route. Um, when I was in college in the University of Memphis, I was ra- uh, ma- majoring in radio, TV, and film. And then I became a, a Christian, a Christ follower, and I just sensed that God wanted me to be a preacher. And so because I was 19 and stupid, uh, not about the preacher part, but about the college part, it never occurred to me as a 19-year-old that a preacher could use a degree in communications. So I switched majors and got a degree in education and then went on to seminary. And uh, for, I don't know, 40 years, I um, was uh, either full-time pastor or a missionary on a farm field. When I was 55, uh, which was 10 years ago, I uh, just thought that I could continue preaching without having to be paid by 
churches and um, decided to check into this crazy thing called voiceover. I didn't even know what it was called and started doing some um, poking around. And it turned out there was a guy just south of us. I'm outside of Chicago by Joliet, Illinois. And uh, there's a guy south, was south of me by the name of Bill DeWeese. And Bill DeWeese had just gotten into voiceover a few years prior to that, having a radio background. I don't have that background. And he offered a, um, uh, a, a seminar, an in-person seminar, on how to get into audiobook narration. So I drove down to the place where he was holding it, Albert Nazarene University. He had been the uh, manager of that radio station on campus for a little while, got his MBA. Then um, they downsized him in corporate life, and he decided to go into full-time voiceover, and he is crazy successful at it now. But he was one of my first mentors, my first coaches, and because of that workshop on audiobooks, that's the first thing I ever did in voiceover was audition for audiobooks and started narrating them. See, I think, you know, and, and all credit to the seminar and stuff, but, but I, I throw in this yeah. caveat, you know, you can okay. go, you can go to a free throw camp, but that doesn't mean you have Steph Curry's jump shot, right? You, you can go to a basketball <laughs> camp and you can learn all the basics and the drills, but unless you have that talent and speaking to you, hearing your work. Your diction is impeccable, and I'm thinking it always has been, especially when you're up on the pulpit, and it's it's tremendously important that people understand your yeah. words and your thoughts and your meanings. So you had yeah. that background. You had that yeah. that world experience that that just helps you—here's a $2 word—elocute. Yeah, so, there you go. So, I'll look it up after we get done talking. Feel free to. Feel free to. I, I've got a computer here. That's all I did. I mean, I look at cat videos and then I come up with cool words. But uh, uh, yeah, it, and the fact that it, it was able that that so even though you, I, I can encourage anybody to try it out and check it out. My caveat yeah, yeah. is Roy's very good at what he does. He's well, very good that. and he's an exceptional talent that was able to take that training and move forward. Have you, I would imagine, because people always ask me this, right? I've been in radio and podcasting for years. Yeah, yeah. And people ask me, uh, have you always had that voice? And to me, yeah. well, yeah, it's the only voice I've ever had. I mean, it has. But now as far as, <laughs> as, far as I've trained it, but it's got to be a yeah. different, it's got to be a different scenario for you. Have, when did When did you learn to speak as well as you do? You know, I think, you know, all credit due to God-given talent, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're created, I believe. And um, so I was born with some skill sets that I've developed at different times in my life. And in fact, this goes all the way back to the fourth grade. We were, uh, we had the, our annual Christmas play, you know, fourth grade back in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, we were rehearsing uh, in the classroom, and, and my fourth grade teacher stopped everybody after I'd said a line. I thought I was in trouble. She said, Roy Worley is the only one in here that it's, that's saying his lines with any kind of expression at all. You need to do what he's doing. And so that was the first hint that, uh, you know, I was creative 
And I, really, I'm so off the charts creative, man. You know, how, you know how a lot of people, we all get these rooms in our head where certain things are done. You know that room where math is done in your head? Yeah. Mine has crime scene tape over the door. But I've got a real big creative room out there to jump around in. So that's, that's who I am. And so I'm naturally creative. By, and and um, I didn't really start developing that until about 11 years ago. I'm in my 11th year at voiceover. And uh, got a certain amount of freedom and uh, just, you know, they say, be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else. And boy, that's true. I I want to I want to I want to mine that vein here in just a couple of minutes, but I I do want yeah, yeah. I, I do want to go back over, you know, that you've yeah. been a pastor, right? And and you I think you yeah, currently yeah. still are a pastor, right? Well, I uh, up until um, the first of April of this year. Now I volunteer at a church that we attend and work with men. So in a sense, I'm working with them, but not as an official, you know, I get paid for it, pastor kind of thing. But you, my, my point of this reasoning is, is that yeah. when you were giving sermons, I mean, we mm-hmm. all, I mean, I, I think, I think Christianity, and, and, and I say Christianity, but could it be any religion? It, it could be Jewish, uh-huh. it could be, you know, it, it could be uh, Islam, it could be anything. We all fear yeah. the person at the pulpit going, and then God said, because there's no learning there. It's any teacher. If you've ever had a, a professor, a history professor who would sit back and go, and then the Civil War was caused by, and we just all die. But, I know. But so did you carry that in? Because as you said, this was something in the fourth grade that you picked up. Did you do yeah. your best to, and I, and I, and I don't want to use the word act, but, but to enhance the sermons? Is that where this cost possibly could have started? You know, yeah. Uh, see, I'm a natural born storyteller. It's, in, and it's a skill set that I learned sitting at the feet of my grandfather at Christmas time and other extended family gatherings. He was a storyteller like crazy. And he only had, 12 stories that he told over and over and over again. And people would say, Papa, please tell this story or tell that story about the time you shot all the chickens when a, you were trying to look in the chicken house to get the fox and a dog stuck his nose on your bare hind end from your long guns being exposed and you killed them all and that kind of stuff. And so I've been a storyteller. And when I do speak from the Bible, I always try to share pertinent uh, illustrations, which are stories. And um, so I think the storytelling and the creativity married together uh, really helps people stay att- pay attention. By the way, you know what videos are. Videos are crazy um, right now as far as marketing is concerned. You know, they're just a visual story. Mm-hmm. And science has shown that the part of our brains where emotions are is the same part of our brain where we process stories. Who doesn't love a good story? Who doesn't love someone who can who can create an image? I mean, that's what I love about songs, right? Songs create well, true, yeah. an image, and they and and they yeah. and they and they and they create this moment in time where you can feel yeah. where everything is. You can feel right. how 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 an emotion is expressed in songs, and 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 I love a good story. I. I, I will say this because I, I'm a man of faith too. I'm a Christian, I, and I make no bones about it. But I, uh, yeah. I find it one of the things that was a revolution to me 
was uh-huh. a, a dear friend of my, 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 my morning show partner. And she goes, you know what? I think people forget when they read mm-hmm. the Bible. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's that? She goes, God was, you know, Jesus was human in God form. So that means everything yeah. about him yeah. was human. What we yeah. forget are the facial expressions. Isn't that a fact? I think about that often. And the tone of voice. We don't have that mm-hmm. in the in the scriptures. But, you know, that's okay. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough to give us the, you know, the true meaning of the words. But I hear you, man. Yeah, I love it when you read it and you and you put the facial expressions in there, right? Because oh, it's just so yeah. easy to just read the words. And, and I've got a nine and eleven year old, and and my nine year old has a deep faith. And we read, he'll read the Bible, and I'll sit back and I'm and I've been telling him, don't forget the the face, don't forget the face, yeah. because nobody talks like this, like it's you know straight from Mount yeah, Ararat, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's nobody talks that way. And and I don't and I don't think Jesus talked that way either. You know, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Right. It wasn't go and sin no more. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he was yeah, being yeah. human. He would smile. He would look at it and he goes, I see, you know, you could see him looking at Thomas yeah. going, I get yeah. you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that uh, that thought process that you could go down that yeah. route, and especially when it comes to sermons. And I've I've had preachers who do that who will sit back and who make me think about things that I had never yeah. thought about. You know, I was right. this many years old. It was last year for the first time a preacher made me think this. You know, as we record this, right. we're heading into Christmas. All right, so just so you know, yeah. But so you know, when the time frame is on this, but he goes, yeah. Did you ever think? That when Mary and Joseph went back to Bethlehem, it was his hometown and nobody Mm -hmm. would take him in. And this was the era of family. This is the era when family was everything and no one in his family would take him in. And my mind was like, (laughs) yeah, you don't really hear that often said. I had, that, that's a good insight. I had, Great insight. I had never, I had never thought about it. I'd never thought about it. That was, that was this age. I'm not far off from you. I was this age and I'm like, holy moly. And that's what I, that's what I love about studying it is because every now and then somebody will make me see something and go, oh, okay. That's wild. I know. Yeah. All right. Sorry to go off on a tangent, folks, but hey, <laughs> it happens. But when it comes back, it comes back, back to back to voice work. I I am enamored on how you think because I I'm telling you I've I've done silly stuff like sit here in a studio and read a book into a microphone just so I could hear what it sounds like. It doesn't yeah. sound like what Roy Worley and professional voice actors do. How do yeah. you create a book? Okay, so you get this book. Do you read the whole thing before you actually record it? Do you do it for your own benefit, or are you just are you are you sight reading? It depends on the book. Uh, there are some books that are like exam prep books. I've done half a dozen of those, and and those lend themselves very well to sight reading. Although there, it's very important to be as engaging as possible. Um, I had a wonderful voice uh, coach who does only um, audiobooks, and he's recorded probably 1,200 by now. And um, seriously, the man just is a machine. And he is a trained stage actor from way back when, and uh, even though he's not even 60 years old yet. 
But one day I was kind of complaining about, you know, because I'd had a string of these books that were that were exam prep books, like taking a test for the national real estate or taking the exam or the a test for how to be an athletic trainer exam and all these kinds of things. I said, man, and one was even for, you know, getting your truck driver's license and exam. And I said, oh, this is so dull. He looked at me and we were zooming. He looked right at me through the camera and he said, it's not boring to the guy that wants to learn so he can make a living from it. And it changed everything in how I read now. I read as if I'm talking to somebody that's, whose life depends upon it um, to, um, you know, get this driving license to be able to feed their family. And so, but as far as prepping other books, now I do a lot of nonfiction because most fiction is not in my comfort zone in terms of uh, so-called adult language. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I'm not going to read uh, the word damn and God's name in front of it. And I'm yeah. not going to read F-bombs or any uh-huh. sex scenes or anything like that. You know, I got to be true to who I am. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, eternity is a long time to have to stand before the Lord over something you deliberately did wrong. Right. So I don't want to do that. And, um, so, uh, when it's a, when it's a, a fiction book that I can read, I've narrated over a dozen cowboy novels, old yeah. West cowboy novels. Love those really can get in the character. It's like, it's kind of like putting on my old boots and just putting my feet up on the table and, you know, sitting back with something warm glass of buttermilk. Hey, I've never done that in my life. That just sounds nasty. That sounds horrific. But you can get the, it's just terrible, man. <laughs> Um, but, but I love that. And when a, when a, the author is a good storyteller, you can just kind of fall into the skin of that character sometimes and, and do your best to make them come alive. So yeah, I read in advance because if it's a fiction book, I want every scintilla of emotion that applies to the scene, to the character and everything. So I've already experienced that before I narrated into the microphone. Do you do it? Do you do it line by line? Because I, I, I can tell you just from my own experience trying to read stuff. And I actually did re- read for the library for a little bit, you know, for the books of the book. Oh, yeah, I did that years, yeah. years ago. I did that for a while. Uh-huh. But I would find because we didn't have time to redo things, right? So where I was just reading, sight read yeah. a lot, just go, go, go. But I was, I'd always yeah. told myself this was years ago. If I had my own studio, because after yeah. you read something, all of a sudden you're like, it's dependent on what the next line is going to be, what the next character is going to say. And so you'd want to go back and go, well, I would redo that now that I know what the next character is going to say. Do you find yourself doing that? We're like, okay, let me, let me, okay, this, this is, this is the thing I'm going to have to have because the next character is going to say this. Well, you know, as you are doing the prep, as we call it, you know, and I do it on paper because, I cannot figure out a lot of things on these apps, and I just won't try. So, um, Bless your you know, heart. I, I respect Paper that. And pencil. <laughs> Paper and pencil, baby. I do and it, so too. I'll make notes. Yeah. I make notes, you know, about a certain character. And sometimes you read what a character's saying, and you instantly get a, a, a voice in mind. I did a series of books by um, an excellent Western writer named Scott Harris. And he could write a book in a weekend, you know, and they're three and a half hours long, which is great. And it's called uh, the Kaz Vigilante Series. And if you like old Westerns and a hero that takes out the bad guys, that's you want you want to read or listen to those books. And so, you know, Kaz, you know, he's like he's Mr. Super Confident. 
I mean, he's lightning fast with a gun, and he never misses what he shoots at. And, oh, by the way, he's got two Navy revolvers, so he's as good with his left hand as he is with his right hand. Nice. And so, you know, he had um, come up on a bad guy and uh, had a gunfight, killed the bad guy. Now he's uh, in town, and he's sitting in a barber's chair, and he's covered up with the, you know, the whole apron thing. And two guys come in, and, uh, you know, one of them says, we hear you're the one that killed our friend. Is that right? And he said something like, you know, he's just Mr. Laidback. He's sitting in that chair, and I thought, you know, he's got these guys. They're not going to hurt him. And he says, you know, I've killed a lot of people today, and I don't right recall which one might be your friend. If you tell me his name, I'll let you know if I killed him or not. You know, just something laid back, just nonplussed and taking out the bad guys. And I had in mind, if you remember James Garner, yeah. one of my favorite cowboys, and um, the author said he was thinking Charles Bronson. So I tried to combine those two in, in terms of their attitude. Loved that character. I wish he'd write some more and let me narrate him. Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson, because you, you have to remember, uh, like Charles Bronson was a huge action star in the 70s, but he talked like this. Yeah, yeah. He didn't open his mouth a lot. He's like, you know, he did the Death yeah. series. Right. And then you, yeah. the idea that you would combine that with James Garner, who was just, you know, he was the Rockford Files. He was, he, right, he, right. he had such a great pronunciation. He had such a great voice. I have a hard time yeah. thinking about those two combined. Well, you know, that's just what was going through my mind, whether it came out like that or not. I don't know. Y'all have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you, but you have to try to find that character, right? Whenever you go through, because yeah, I, I do yeah. know that's, you know, when, when you're reading the stuff, like I was, I was playing back forth the, uh, the Lincoln assassination, yeah. national Ra- Lincoln assassination yeah. riddle. That's just straightforward. Yeah. Let me present you information. Yeah. But when you're yeah. doing those books or the Zane Gray books you've done, you've done so many of those different stuff are the, yeah. uh, are the, uh, what was, what was the, uh, the, Oh, what was his name? There's Bud Shumway books, right? Yeah, yeah. That when you're when you're doing those and you've got you have to find that character. Do you ever hear from the author? Does the author go, Yeah, that's the guy, or I was thinking more along this, or do they give you notes that, hey, this guy has a Boston accent? Or do you just create that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on the author. I like to get in input from the author, but limited input, because in the end, as a as a narrator, you have to be not only the narrator, but the, the director and the producer in terms of putting this thing together. If I made a mistake one time, really nice guy wrote a short story here in the area and he wanted me to narrate it. And it was a great short story. And because he lived close by, I invited him into the studio to give me direction. Oh, my goodness, that was not a good idea. Because everybody and, wants to be a critic. Well, it was like, you know, well, I had this in mind and I. Uh, you know, after a while, you said, well, you know, you could have narrated it yourself, but you didn't. You chose me. Let me do my job, you know. And uh, but I didn't say that. These are things that run through your mind and you try to flush them out real quick. Apparently, yeah. I didn't because I just repeated it. Well, no, but, but it's it's true. Coming like doing doing radio commercials, which is what I do and stuff is, oh, is you yeah. can. Yeah. And you do that, too. You do a lot of voiceover work. He's done voiceover work for most of the products you've ever heard. He's done TV voice. He's done that. He's done ESPN. He's done all this kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> the fact that you've generated yeah. that much business and you've said you've only been doing this for 11 years speaks to the talent. That speaks to the talent level we're talking about. Uh, but, yeah, you never... 
the the worst things I've ever done is when I've had to do commercials with a producer saying, "Yeah, can we try it this way? How about this way? Yeah, can we try it that way?" Yeah. And it's like, mm, well, I, no. yeah, I get. I actually did a couple of radio spots, two or three radio spots. I had to go into Chicago to record in a studio there because I had my own studio, but they wanted to direct. That was pre-COVID, and it was for a well-known sandwich shop in the area. And I kid you not, I did seventy-five takes at their behest. And when I got done, the engineer in that place said, man, he really worked you over. I said, dude, they paid me. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, yeah, you it, know it, and the it, thing of it is, if you would have just sent them copy without them hearing it, right? Instead yeah. of 75 takes, if you would have sat back and given it to you and said, blah, 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 and you sent it back to them, I guarantee you there's better than a 50-50 chance that it said, oh, this is perfect. This is great. Well, this is you know, it's interesting. Yeah, everybody wants to, you know, show what they know, which is not very much many times. And um, th- these were three very young people, and it was remote. I was in the studio in, in uh, on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. They were in a studio in Boston. So we didn't even get to see each other's faces. Mm. And, you know, they wanted me to say, just, well, listen, we want you to go up on the end of this sentence. Okay, now we want you to say this three in a row and give us options. And then they came back, and they were repeating themselves and so on and so forth. But you know what? That's my job. Yeah, and, and they're creating it's, 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 more work for them. Yeah. You know, yeah, because, that's exactly right. Yeah, because you're not yep. putting it together. It's the person who's having to sit yeah. there and put it together. Yeah. And in the age of digital, yeah. that's so much easier. Trust me, back yeah. in the old yeah. days, we had to do everything right. on, on tape. And you literally had to take a right. razor blade and tape and tape yeah. that stuff together. Yeah. And a, a concert yeah. spot, we used to laugh about the concert spots. You could you yeah. could literally spend 10 to 12 hours doing a concert spot. And oh I'm not even gosh. kidding, yeah. you know, that yeah. you could start at 6 o'clock in the morning and not get done till dinner. And uh, But that's the back of the old days. <laughs> now, I've got friends in the voiceover business who will do a concert spot in 22 minutes. Yeah. Because you can just drop in everything you need and add it into the multi-track, right, and right. boom, there it is. Yeah, all, all, all the stingers and, uh, you know, the outtakes and, <clears throat> you know, so on and so forth. It's just uh, it's amazing. <laughs> and that's the stuff. People go that, but people ask me that all the time. Do you ever sneeze or have to cough? And I'm like, all the time. All oh, the time. Sure. But your body doesn't stop being your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I, we're going to come back. I, I want to go still more of this. I'm just, again, I'm geeking out and I realize it. I realize I'm being a fangirl right now. I'm acting like, you know, a 12-year-old at a BTS concert. But I'm going to come back with more from Roy Worley right after this. If you're enjoying this podcast, then maybe you'd like to hear more. Gary Scott Thomas hosts the morning show at 95.3 KRTY in San Jose, and you can tune in at krty.com. At 8.30 each weekday morning, Gary and Julie talk to artists, songwriters, and industry insiders. You'll hear from people like Garth Brooks and Luke Combs, new stars like Ingrid Andrus and Maren Morris, and songwriters like Shane McAnally, Lori McKenna, and Luke Laird. You'll find the best in country music on the South Bay's Best Country, K. So welcome back. Here's what we know. As I continue to talk with voiceover actor talent Roy Worley, or as he's known somewhere in the industry as E. Roy Worley. Mm-hmm. That that comes off even better. Did you did you listen to audiobooks before you started doing them? Were you a fan? Oh man, don't put me on the spot like that. Um, no. <laughs> and that's cool. That's totally cool. I mean, you know, people ask me, I'm in radio. People ask me, do you listen to Howard Stern? And I always tell them, you know, I'm on at the same time he is, right? I mean, I'm. 
that's a good out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, a, it's kind of hard for me to go, but I did grow up with radio heroes. Like in, cause you're in Chicago. My radio hero of all time was Larry Lujak. You know that okay. name? I do not. I do not. You know, I gotta be honest. The only time I listen to the radio anymore is when I'm in the car. And because I, my studio is in my basement, my commute every morning is I go to the cafe in my kitchen, get a cup of coffee, walk downstairs, and then I'm at work. So I very rarely drive anymore. But uh, sorry to say, I, that's not a familiar name to me. Well, it, he's passed a long time ago. He was a legendary oh, Chicago yes. radio uh, personality. So, but but at the same thing, so you have your. But now I don't do a show anything like his. Just because I was a fan doesn't mean that I I try to imitate it. Because to me, there'll never be another Larry Lujak. And I I tell that to yeah. young people now who'll come up and ask me about stuff like this, and I'm like, first and foremost, you've got to figure out who you are. That is that may be the hardest yeah. journey of your life because you're going to have to answer that question so many times on so many different levels. Who are you? Uh, Mm -hmm. And and once you figure that out, life will get a little easier, but not all that much easier. (laughs) Well, it's like somebody said, don't try to be somebody else. That job's already taken, man. Just do your job. Be you. Well, it's, and, and I, I say that because it's, it's, you know, you can go either way with it. Like you go into it with a fresh yeah. perspective. You don't have anybody coloring your thoughts on how this works. Okay. You know, where, where sure. I, I think one of the problems I would have doing audiobooks is because I'm such a fan that I can hear all the people in my head who I love, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and trying to do that. I will sure. give I will give you a name to check out if you ever get time. And I do not believe okay. I do not believe there's any salty language in there. And if there is, okay. it's not a lot because it was in the sixties, right? So they don't write like that. Yeah. But right. you have you ever heard of John D. McDonald's Travis McGee's mysteries? That rings a bell, but I, I I've not read them. But okay. yeah, it rings a bell. It's they've redone them. But what I'm telling you is okay. if you can find because they put out a number of audiobooks back on the tape. They were back when they put them on on cassettes. And yeah. do you remember the actor Darren McGavin? Oh, yeah. The Night Stalker. Remember yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever get the chance, he narrated about five or six Travis McGee books. I bet he did a great job, man. Oh, they were amazing. They were amazing sure, because uh, here was an actor doing the parts and finding the voices and capturing the spirit of the time, which is Florida in the sixties, you know, and, and, and somebody who grew up in the South, cause I grew up in Alabama. And a matter of fact, I grew up on the Florida, Alabama line. And, and, okay. and as I tell everybody, he captures the wood paneling on the walls. Oh man, that's awesome. You know, because that was Florida yeah. in the sixties. The wood paneling was yeah. on the walls and he captures right. that with his voice. And the new ones that they've done don't. God. Oh. They just okay. they just don't. But I say that as as a as a tribute to the talent of Darren McGavin. Sure. Absolutely. And I tell you who else was good because this is a name you're old enough to remember. Artie uh Artie um Oh, he was, I know nothing on, uh, Artie Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Artie Johnson, Artie Johnson on that. Yeah. He was amazing. He is a, oh, really? Okay. He's a brilliant narrator. Uh, so oh, yeah, fantastic. if you ever get a chance to check those guys out, those are just old schools. Cause I'm trying okay. to, I'm trying to stay. Have, have you done, have you done, has anybody approached you? Like, have you ever done a biblical reading? 
Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the things that I've you know, just been uh, looking for and asking the Lord for is, is opportunities to narrate legitimate Christian books. Now, I haven't gotten into any Christian fiction yet. I, I, would, I think I could do a fair job at Christian romance, but they're all written by ladies, and they always have ladies narrate them. And so it's hard to even get a hearing. But I narrated uh, earlier this year uh, an audio book. And it was, it was for students. It was um, for uh, systematic theology, two uh, professors that co-teach and co-write, put it together. Man, it really, um, it's, I think it's called Living the Word of God or something like that. It really connects all the dots from Genesis to Revelation. It's just so cool. I learned. And then I've got one coming up in, um, in January, mid-January. It's um, ex, uh, Exegesis of the Old Testament, which is uh, a kind of a textbook, a standard textbook, and it'll be more academic, and I look forward because I think I'll learn something from that, but I really love doing what we call in the industry clean reads and fiction, as well as some history. Now, I did one last year. Um, it's called Operation Tidal Wave. I'm not sure if it's up yet or not, um, because we had a little bit of, a, of an issue. I had to tell the producer, you know, I remind them there are certain things I'm not going to read. They say, okay, okay, but and then I've learned it's up to me to scope out the book ahead of time. And now most of the producers will send me a book they want to consider me for. And I'll go through there and search for words I can't read if, if they're in there. Mm -hmm. I want them to read one. I'll just let them know. Well, I didn't do that on this book because I was still kind of new. And it was um, Operation Tidal Wave is a book that was, um, oh, I can't remember the author's name. He's um, Italian descent. He just did a great job. Told a great story. It's about the first U.S. Air Force, or in those days, Army Air Force, air raid over Europe in World War II, and it involved over 175 U.S. bombers. And uh, it's an interesting read, and, and, and everything was going really well until I got to the part where it was the night before they were going to launch, and so he, uh, the author included words, uh, sentences, and a little bravado from the, the young airmen that were you know, going to lose their lives and uh, put their lives on the line. And it was very salty language that I couldn't read. And so it took months to do it uh, for them to figure out what they wanted to do. And they said, okay, we'll hire another narrator to read the call outs and, um, and those portions that you uh, are not going to read. And it, and it worked out. And it's a fantastic book. But once again, uh, you know, because there's a great story there. It's a true story. And we lost a lot of young airmen over that uh, because of some some flaws in the plan, and it goes it goes into that in great detail. So, kudos to you for standing up for your morals. I mean, you know, I mean, it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing, and it's never easy. You know, we oh can my read gosh, it. It was so hard. Yeah, we can read it in a book about this guy made this stance, and I I would never. Yeah, yeah, you say that, but it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It's to... hard every. It's hard every time. <laughs> it's hard every time. Now I take that back. I I got um, an opportunity a month or two back to audition for a best-selling Western writer. And, it's con and, and this book was a contemporary Western, and I don't even remember the uh, author's name. I wouldn't repeat it if I did. And so they sent me the prep, the manuscript, and I went through there. And sure enough, no f bombs, but probably a hundred instances of, um, you know, God's name mm -hmm. coupled with a word I 
you know, I'm just not going to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wrote back and they, they were very kind. They said, well, okay, we, we get it. And then the next one they gave me was this book on exegesis. And I said, you got it. I'll do that. <laughs> but um, they also own this one company is they also own ChristianAudiobooks.com, And so I'm going to have to reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love to audition for some, some Christian fiction. I think I can do a really good job of that, just given the opportunity. How do you audition in that world? I mean, back in the old days of radio, when we tried to find a yeah. new job, you had to make a tape, yeah. a tape between two to three to four minutes long, yeah. because you really only yeah. had about 30 to 40 seconds to grab their attention. Yeah. And if you didn't grab their yeah. attention, they're ditching it and using your tape for some other thing. And then if they were interested, they might ask you for a longer cut. But that was the yeah. old days. Now, if you're already on the air, they'll just listen online because they don't want yeah. you to have the option to edit. So you're not able to send them the best of. They're just going to see how you sound on a Tuesday morning at 726, right? And find out on your own. How do you do that in the world of audiobooks? How do you how do you audition? Well, it's very similar to any other voiceover work that I do. Somebody sends me a cop, uh, you know, some copy and says, we want to hear your voice on this. And, uh, you know, but then this last book I got, because I have because I have a body of work, they said, we're, we're not auditioning we're casting you for this and so you know i've got that audiobook now you know those are not the books that uh millions of people are going to go out and buy but i don't care because i enjoy it uh but I'll, they'll send me um a book and they'll say give us a five minute read minimum five minute read and so i'll i'll you know read it uh, mumble read is what i call it you know and get the words off straight and everything for about five minutes or you know to get a feel for the tone and everything and then I just uh, record it, and I send that MP3 into them. What if I, if I had to ask you, what do you consider your strengths? What is it that makes people hire you and 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 makes you listable? And I know I'm putting you on the spot because I have, from listening to your work, I can give you my definition, but I want to hear yours. Well, I can tell you what people tell me. And so that's, that's what you've got to do. You got to go. It's very hard. I was raised and don't brag on yourself, but as you know, in the voiceover world, you've got to put yourself out there and say, you know, everything short of pick me, pick me, pick me. But basically, uh, some people like my voice. There's no one size fits all where that's concerned, but some people like the tones uh, that, uh, that I produce. And, uh, then there's the storytelling ability. And maybe the pace and getting a feel for the copy. I just finished up um, some extensive coaching to to learn how to do promo work for television. And my coach said, you know, you, you really have an instinct for reading copy and, you know, putting the points where they need to be and the emphasis where it needs to be. And that kind of thing. The same is true in any story, whether it's a promo on television, whether it's a commercial that's telling a story or whether it's a storybook. They're, they're all stories. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's probably a combination of a lot of things. Um, but, uh, one book I did that I really, really enjoyed doing, it was called, hello, my name is Oliver. And I used a voice I'd never used before because I had to be the voice of a beagle that had uh, anxiety disorder. And, uh, it's all about him thinking out loud. And uh, talking about his mom and his dad, meeting the people that own him and things like that. And the author, she, she was so screaming funny in the, this thing she put in there. And uh, I just took off with it, you know. Um, 
And um, I got some really good reviews on audible.com for that one. One lady said that she and her niece and nephew and daughter curled up on a couch on a rainy day and listened to it and laughed and cried and all that kind of stuff. That's the best compliment you can get as a storyteller. You know, I'm telling somebody else's story, something that came out of somebody else's brain. But if they're a good writer and it's just, you know, drenched with emotion, I think I can pass that along. So those would be some of the things I think would be my strengths. See, I, uh, I, 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 I agree with you, especially when you're able to marriage that the writing with the perfect narrator. Right. And, and, and for me, when I, when I listen to your work, I, I say you are, you are definingly male in your voice. Right. So you're not, you're not way down here and you're not up here and you're, you know, you, you, you have that calm, definingly male voice. And, and there, and there is a, I, I a hundred percent agree with your pacing. I, I find your pacing. That is probably one of the hardest things to do. Again, from somebody who works in the industry as far as using your voice, finding someone who can talk at a pace that is neither uncomfortable because they talk so slow or the opposite, which is what a lot of people fall into is where they go a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find that pace that it's like it's like slipping on, and I see why you're such a fan of of westerns and why because you're able to just slip into that world. You're able to slip that yeah. coat on, and and all your all of your 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 voices just seem to fit in that world. And yeah, the, yeah, I I would love to. I haven't heard the Oliver. Do you remember the voice? Can you conjure that up, or or if you can't, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's something like. Hello, my name is Oliver, and I am the best beagle on the planet. Or at least that's what my mom says. I love that stuff. I I find you guys just so fascinating. Is there stuff you've learned on some of these books? Because I've looked through your history and stuff. Do you, do you remember the George Washington and the Abraham Lincoln books? Do you remember anything you learned from that where you went, wait, what? Oh, yeah, the, the book on Lincoln, which was more of a forensic book. Mm-hmm. Which was, an, you know, an angle that I've never, you know, seen. Uh, I remember, um, you know, some of the things about, and it's kind of gory. Some, oh <laughs> no, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, but you know, just how ignorant the doctors were. And I don't mean that as criticism; they just hadn't learned, and they actually stuck probes in his head and stuff like mm-hmm. that to try to get the bullet out. Made him jump and all kinds of things. It was creepy stuff. And, um, you know, and each chapter is written by a different forensic experts. And, uh, so there were, there were some things I didn't realize, for instance, you know, they took him across the street and put him in a man's boarding house where he ultimately died. That man went crazy and committed suicide because it destroyed his business. People came and literally tore his business apart to get souvenirs from the place where Lincoln died scraps of material from fabric or curtains and tear boards off the side of the place. And, and, uh, it, it literally killed it. So that was interesting. And, uh, yeah. Did you see, just to go off on a tangent, did you see that, uh, that special that came out, I think earlier this year about the last Lincoln photo? Did you see that? 
I did not. You could find it. You could find it online and you could find a picture okay. that they found a picture that is purportedly, and it was, it's a portly, a portly a picture of Lincoln's body after death, which we've never seen, right? We've never seen. Right. And right. Uh, the whole premise was they got this from someone who was a descendant of one of the people in charge of the hotel. Or what are the what are the photographers who have been brought in to take pictures, crime scene yeah. photos, right? And yeah. Yeah. and the body was left unguarded in a room. And oh, they went and supposedly took this picture, which was, by the way, a a a crime. It could have been you could have been charged treason and hanged. Right. Yeah. So you can see why they would keep it under wraps. Uh but sure. and and something that nobody saw. And the person yeah. The person, uh, part of the descendant, and again, I may be clouding the picture, but anyway, they had reached out to the family uh, and said, do you want this picture? But anyway, somebody got it. Then there was a divorce of this guy because this guy in St. Louis got it. There was a divorce and the wife knew about the picture and she wanted them to sell it to get the proceeds. And that's how we did it. And so they did this whole thing. When you look at the picture, you're like, wow, that's not Lincoln. It can't be Lincoln. And then they start showing you. Like he had a very peculiar shaped lip. He had a very peculiar shaped line on his his thing. And then they reminded you that after death, your body relaxes. The wrinkles go. There's no blood flow. And then when you look at it, you're like, holy moly, that's a picture of Lincoln after death. Holy moly. And that it's just crazy. I, I love, I, I love stuff. I, I remember one of the books I read was on Robert E. Lee and I read so much about Robert E. Lee and he, it was, he was, he was faithful to his home state, but he really did not believe yeah. in the Confederate cause, but he thought, right. he thought, you know, well, it's all about state rights and we're going to go from there. And yeah. I think, I think as, as a fan of history and student of history, I truly do believe he regretted it for the rest of his life. I, I really do feel he was he was a loyal soldier. He was a loyal Union soldier. Yeah. And and yeah. I think I think that haunted him the rest of his life. That, well, and a lot of people don't know this, that, you know, he prayed all night asking for guidance because he was asked by both sides to be a general. Mm-hmm. So wow. There's that one of the books, one of the very first audiobooks I did. And I wish I had it all over to do it all over again was uh, on Ulysses S. Grant's um, uh, method of warfare. and um, A victor, yeah. not a butcher. Ulysses a S. Victor, S. Grant, a, a victor, not a butcher. Yeah. Now, I learned a lot about U.S. Grant that I didn't know. And uh, how he, it's a miracle, he even became a general. He failed but, at everything you know, he ever did, except, <laughs> except yeah, at war. He failed at everything. But he... Listen, he was he when he went to war, he meant to win, mm-hmm. and he did. And he, a lot of people say, "Well, he was a butcher." He, you know, he sacrificed his men. Well, they're soldiers. You know, I mean, that's kind of was his attitude. And you know, when uh, when he fought battles in like uh, it might have been uh, Lookout Mountain in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he won that battle, which was hard because the Confederates were barricaded in. The Confederate soldiers that were captured. Uh, when he came riding by, cheered for him because they admired his his soldierhood and how tenacious he was. And that was the Confederates that cheered for him. Yeah, it's kind of unusual. Well, yeah, and so. and he knew that the the best the best way to save lives was to get the war over as quick as you could. That was the best way to save lives. Yeah. And yeah. and he also he he carried the weight. 
you could see the weight on him. You could see in his eyes the weight in him that he knew that he was doing what he thought was right, but there was a price to pay and he was going to pay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. See, we we need to do another one of these where we just forget about the audio world and just talk history. (laughs) Because you've learned so much. Yeah, but I'm just saying from the books you've read, right? Yeah, you've yeah. you've read books you know, because I find I find George Washington compelling. People don't know enough about Washington. We've made him into this yeah. mythical figure, and you forget that he was a man with his yeah. own foibles and his own weirdness and his own wonders and his his you know his God given talents and all of a sudden his weaknesses and and they're just they're fascinating to breach out into. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, how he actually died, um, you know, he had a habit every day of riding around his property. And it was a nasty winter, it was sleeting and snowing, and he rode around his property on horseback, man. I mean, not in a Mustang, but on a, you know, a Bronco or whatever. And when he got back, he developed some kind of illness um, that slowly strangled you to death. And he suffered for days before he finally died. Yeah, those those were not romantic times. No. Uh, You know, we, we... We sit back and we don't put enough thought in. And, you know, when we have Veterans Day and, and Memorial Day, I always remember, I, yeah. I, I always try to tell people, remember all the soldiers, including those teenagers in the, in the Revolutionary War who, who fought a battle with conditions and hunger and disease that we just can't even put into scope outside of, Outside of, you know, the Civil War was, was horrific. It was, don't get me wrong, but we, we short change how bad the conditions were that we're, we're in the Revolutionary War and we have whitewashed our brains from World War One, which may have truly been one of the most horrific wars ever fought. Now, if you want to hear a good story about uh, the Civil War and how great character development about these teenage boys who volunteered to go fight in the Confederate Army. Um, I narrated one called Soldiers in the Mist. Now, you know, the the author, I think, uh, she lived in Arkansas and believed that she was related to some characters that died in a certain battle and, and wrote about them. And she she also was of the belief that she was communicating with their spirits, you know, stuff like that. So just, you know, kind of an advanced warning about that if that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to you. But I tell you what, she did a fantastic job of writing a story I could not put down. And I got to be honest, it was my favorite book ever to narrate because of the story. Say the name again, Soldiers in the Mist. It's Soldiers in the Mist. Uh, there's a sample of it on my website, but it's not named Soldiers in the Mist. It's uh, a Western read. A and, Western uh, read. Yeah, I think it's labeled as a Western read or cowboy read or something like that. Well, it, it was set in the South. I've got my pen out, and I'm I'm actually writing on paper because I'm just as old school as you are. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, as long as you can remember where the paper is. <laughs> so actually, you've written on them, especially <laughs> a Western read. I will check I think, that. You out. know what? Let me hold on. I'm going to pull it up. I'm in front of my computer. Go ahead. So go ahead and ask me another question while uh, while we're talking here, and I'll see if I can answer it. 
Oh, well, no, it's just, it's, it's just a fascinating situation to me is that you figured out all these things, you read these things and they stick with you, you know, the the more, you know, it's why I, it's why I read all the time and I encourage my children to read. I've always encouraged everyone read. I don't even care what you read, but read. I think, you know, obviously I think it behooves you to like, and I think in our world, read the Bible, read things that are going to make a greater moral fiber of you, but also read, allow yourself the space for your brain to grow, you know? And I try to do that. I, I listen to all kind of audio books and I've got where I'll listen to everything. I'll, I'll go through book reviews and find books that people are like, say, Hey, cool. Because there's stuff that I found, like, you know, yeah. I found chick lit books that I adore. But by the same token, I like the shoot 'em up, bang, bang, you know, Jason Bourne, yeah. James, J- Jason Bourne, James Bond type yeah. of, of, of heroes also in science fiction and all that. But yeah. it allows me to just, to let my brain go in different directions. And I always, be, I always encourage people to do that. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you can learn a lot um, by reading, you know, other people's points of actually we need to do that. So that we're not living in an era uh, of our thinking in our ways. Well, are getting uh, into yeah, my website. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking at my website and there, there are two Western samples on there. And one is uh, from soldiers in the mess. And one is from, um, a Zen Gray book that I narrated. So, yeah. I, For those who are interested. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. I'm going to look at because I, I'm a, I'm a big consumer of audiobooks. I like to listen to them when I read, when I run an exercise because it's my way oh, yeah. of distracting myself from the horror that is working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, man. That's, I haven't found that distraction yet. Yeah, I'm uh, telling you, audiobooks work because, you know, music, you yeah. just end up, it becomes a measurement of time. Right. So if it you're does. a runner, like I run, if you're a runner, you just start going, I need eight more songs. Or I need even 12 more songs. But if somebody is right. telling you a great story that you're all in, it's easy yeah. to squeeze out another mile or so. Well, then you'll be happy to know that the Zane Gray novels, I did four of them. They sell them as a box set on audible.com. So you get four uh, in a bundle. And there is 40 hours of listening pleasure there for you, buddy. So you could run a long way listening to those. I'm telling you, I, that's where I spend my money on is there a big, on bit. I, I can't <laughs> buy two hour books. I can't, I can't because it's just not valuable enough for me. I, I need, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes size matters, Roy. Sometimes size matters. Okay. And the okay. length of, and the length of my audio books matters. Well, listen, then you'll love these. <laughs> I have had such a good time talking to you. Thank you for letting me geek out on you. Absolutely. And thanks for the call, man. And we'll do it again if you want to sometime. I would love to. I just find it fascinating. And you can go, you can find Roy's website. It's Roy Worley, W-O-R-L-E-Y. You can find his work on Audible. You can find his work on so much stuff. And you will just enjoy it. Like I said, I'm, I put you in there with my list of, I, 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 I have certain readers that I love. I do. And, and I'm, I appreciate it. I'm throwing you in there on that list on that. Thank you for being on here. Here's what we know. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time. 